The world today is gripped in a combat that encircles the globe. It's not a war between nations, but it's a war over the destiny of humanity. Often called the Great Controversy, this battle rages in every city, town, and country. Join us today as we visit two OCI ministries that are engaged in frontline battles in this great conflict. It's hard to imagine in this peaceful country setting in southwestern Tennessee that at one time a fierce battle raged. The Battle of Shiloh, which was, up to that point in U.S. history, the bloodiest battle that had ever been waged on American soil. The northern troops were taken by surprise by Confederate soldiers. The Army was unprepared. One of the officers in the Northern Army was a man by the name of Lew Wallace. Lew Wallace is not known for any great heroics in the Battle of Shiloh. What he is better remembered for is writing the book Ben-Hur. The storyline of that novel is about a man consumed with the desire to get revenge until he meets Jesus Christ. And in encountering Christ, he lays down his weapons of war. Today, in this setting, students are being introduced to that same Jesus Christ through the ministry of Harbert Hills Academy. Harbert Hills Academy was originally established on the basis of helping young people. And the concept was not just to help young people in general, but really to give an opportunity to young people who might not otherwise have a chance for a Christian education. The most rewarding part of working here is getting to know the students as an individual and watching them grow over the years that they're here, both spiritually and academically. You know, I'm used to seeing academic growth but working at a boarding academy, uh, I get to see them grow spiritually. First of all, we're an educational institution, and we are a Seventh-day Adventist education institution, and our training program, along with the academic and the spiritual program, is to give students hands-on experience. So our goal for each student that we receive is to give them the basics um, and to have them baptized or rebaptized in some cases before they leave. Since I've been here, I, I understand how God has really worked in me, how He's uh, used me as a tool to reach out to others. I really think I'm growing spiritually, mentally, and physically here. Harvard Hills Academy is a diverse campus with our staff as well as our students. The fact that we're able to issue I-20s means that we have students here from various cultures they learn from each other, they feed off of each other, they grow, they learn about other cultures and get excited about visiting other cultures as a result of that. My favorite part for being here is you get to have different friends from around the world. It's really cool having people from other countries because you get to learn a little bit about their culture and you get to share a little bit of our culture. We go play basketball, play soccer, and some other games called Benteng. It's more like a dare base, but it's from Indonesia. You know, here in the U.S., we're often centered on our own, you know, little bubble that we have. And so the students that come here get a view that they would not have gotten otherwise. 
I wish that when I was in high school, I was in a more multicultural environment than I was because I see the benefits of it here. For the school, you know, it's small. And for me, I think it's a good thing because if it's a big school, then there's a lot of distraction from everything. We're sitting on 500 acres, so we've got a good buffer zone around us so that we don't have a lot of distractions here. It's peaceful, it's quiet, and so students can focus a little bit better. We're in harmony with the Lord here. Nature is all around us. For our Friday night Vespers, we have a number of programs over the course of the school year. We have sacred concerts that we do, guest speakers coming in, the student-led week of prayer. We have a large choir and a small choir, and a small choir is like the, the group that gets to go to different churches and minister through singing. The ensemble too, it's really neat having other people that play the same instrument and just uplifting each other. The young people are here to serve. If someone in our community has a need and we get a phone call, we go to serve. Last year we went down and helped when the tornadoes hit in Alabama. It was devastating over there. We saw people crying and their house is gone. And, and then you have the other people that say this is a test from God, we can, we'll be stronger by that. We do mission trips, uh, giving the young people an opportunity to serve in other countries. We've done evangelism with the young people, traveled and, and let them be a part of presenting the series of meetings and, and presenting the health talks and seeing people come to Christ through their efforts. You know, we have the academic, social, spiritual, and we have the work program. The council that we have talks about a work education program that involves spending about half the day in the classroom and about half a day in a vocational, practical work setting. So we just take the message from the Spirit of Prophecy that uh, we should all learn hands-on or have hands-on experience. We have a 49-bed intermediate care nursing home facility. We have a farm, a bakery, and those are the things that really give the young people an opportunity to earn part of their tuition. With the vocation classes, their hands are moving, they're involved in things. And in woodworking class, they're sanding, they're cutting, they're sawing. This past year, we added a brand new vocation class, which was the digital photography class. And it's been a tremendous boost to student morale. We do macro shooting and portrait shooting, and our students learn how to work with lighting and auto mechanics. They're working on cars, they're underneath the car, they're under the hood and radio broadcasting class. They're on the air, they're working the mics. We have a 50,000 watt FM radio station. That's one of the ways that we connect with our community. Harvard Hills Academy is in a process of development right now. There's a project ongoing for upgrading our boys' dorm. We're also in the process of building a new girls' dormitory. It's about a $1.2 million project. We have a tornado shelter that we're building into the building in the basement. It will be a safe home away from home environment. We're actually working right now on a project to build an addition to our bakery where we can process the food that we grow over the course of the year. And we're on a mission to do it one step at a time and allow the Lord to lead us and guide us along the way. One of the things that uh, I would challenge is to consider becoming involved in this kind of ministry. We are in need of teachers instructors who understand God's counsel and who are willing to put their life in God's hands. One of the methods that Harvard Hills Academy uses to engage their students in the battle of life is to teach them the principle of service. Their 49-bed 
nursing home facility located on the campus provides an excellent opportunity for the young students to minister to those that are older and are in need. This helps teach them what should be their true priority in life. My brother Randall Dickman is our current administrator for the Harvard Hills Academy Nursing Home. I've been working here as administrator since 1992 and I went to school here when I was a young person. I probably didn't notice as much of the privilege of working here back then as I do now, but through the years I've really seen that it's a privilege to work for God. I not only work here at the nursing home, I teach at Arbor Hills Academy. We have our own CNA training program here, so most of our graduates when they leave, in addition to having their diploma, they're also certified CNAs. When I first came, I worked in the general departments like housekeeping, and I found that working with the residents, it was an opportunity I can take because I love interacting with people, so I found that that would be a good way to give back to this community and also give back to God what He's offered me. It makes me feel good to help others. I sometimes sing to them. I tell them some jokes and then I hear them laughing, and I, love, I just love seeing the smiles on their faces. We're going to uh, see the Lord come one of these days, and what a special thing to see a baptism in a nursing home. That's something you probably will not see very often. Well, I've been wanting to be rebaptized for several years, but I just decided right now to do it. You know, there's not a lot of facilities who would make it available for residents to be baptized if they wanted. Time and time again, I've seen them go out of their way and do extra things to, uh, to make our residents feel at home. People know that when they come to Harvard Hills Academy Nursing Home, the care they will receive is top-notch. And it's not just a technical care, it's a loving care. It's really one of the challenges in today's world for young people to take up the vision of what it means to really serve. Setting yourself aside and saying, okay, Lord, you just do whatever you want to do. The staff at Harbert Hills Academy is dedicated to equipping the students to become victors in the battle of life. Their aim is to exceed the expectations of both parents and students by not only providing a well-rounded education, but more importantly, introducing the students to Jesus Christ. In a moment, we'll visit another OCI ministry located in a different part of the world, yet engaged in this same great controversy. Pain, suffering, and hopelessness are everywhere we look. As Christians, we know that the ultimate answer is Jesus. We are called to bring people to Him, as well as to share His love in practical ways. Can you imagine the difference it would make if every church member did all that we can to share our hope? That's what OCI is all about. Lay people using their skills to reach their communities and bring change. Whether through lifestyle centers or schools, restaurants or clinics, the methods are diverse, but the goal is the same to bring hope and healing to our dying world. In order for this work to continue, prayer, workers, and funding are all necessary. When you support OCI, you support the work of more than 80 ministries around the world. For more information about how you can become involved, please contact us anytime. A small but dynamic OCI ministry that is having a large impact is Makuyu Outreach, located in the country of Zambia. 
Situated on the banks of the Zambezi River, this ministry was born out of sorrow and tragedy, yet under God's blessing is having a far-reaching effect into the communities in this remote region. Makuyu is the Tonga word for fig tree. This large fig tree attracted the attention of Johann Myberg as he was coming down the Zambezi River. Johann had a vision of making a difference in the lives of the people in this remote community. Unfortunately, Johann was tragically killed by an elephant on this property. However, his brother Hein picked up the torch that Johann has laid down. Hein and his wife Melissa have expanded Johann's original vision and are making a huge impact in this rural region. Well, in 2002, my, my older brother moved to this spot. He was doing work with Riverside Farm Institute, doing food distribution. And while in the area, he saw the need of the people who live around here. And so he settled here. And he started with basically nothing. He got people from overseas to help do evangelistic series. With the help of OCI, he managed to put up two churches in the area and eventually a third one. And so he was only here for three years before he passed away in a very tragic accident when he was attacked by an elephant bull. That was in August of 2005. And at the time that that happened, I was living in the UK. Unfortunately, while I was living there, my spiritual life was in decline. Um, I had a very comfortable life. And I talked with the Lord often and I asked him to help me because I knew I didn't want to go anywhere else. I didn't want to change, but I knew I was heading for trouble and I asked him to put change in my heart. Soon after that, that's when the accident happened. And coming here for the funeral and seeing the reaction of the people at the funeral, the love they had for, for Johan, and seeing firsthand what he kept busy with made me understand or realize that I was living a life that was just selfish. And when the idea came in my mind of moving here, at first I didn't want to know anything about it. But like I said, the Holy Spirit spoke with me constantly for a couple of weeks. And eventually when I made the decision to come out here to Mukuyu, honestly, that's the time in my life when I had the most awesome peace and conforming to the will of the Lord. That's, that's, that's the most awesome thing that I could have done. I think the Lord has especially prepared me for this because when I came here I was, I was very wary of everything and um, but as I started living here the Lord just helped me to accept everything that's around here and to learn that these things that had happened is not of His doing but it's of the devil's doing because He doesn't want us to be here and we need to move forward and we, not, we cannot look back on the past. The people that live in this area the biggest problem for them is they have a lack of Christ. They don't know Christ. They don't know how to reach Christ. They don't know that He's there for them. I've seen specific examples of the people around us here. When they meet Christ and they let Jesus into their lives, they soften up from the hard people they used to be to people who actually start cleaning up and looking after their children and making their homes look nicer and just improving their lives just, just through, through knowing Christ. I was lucky enough to be in an Adventist primary school as a kid. And I look back now and I know that that had a huge impact on my life. Uh, it helped to, together with the Christian upbringing we had in our home, it, it formed a solid base and we really want to give that to the small kids in this area as well. We are trying to reach out to the people here 
bringing the gospel to them, bringing the truth and reaching out in education and any other way we can help them to be there for them. The further one goes from the tarmac and the centers of population, the greater the decrease in the level of education. Out here in rural Zambia, the children face a daunting task to get a good education. Some of them have to walk four to six miles to get to the nearest school. In the book Education, Ellen White tells us that the work of redemption and education are one, and that the foundation for both is Jesus Christ. Hein and Melissa are endeavoring to lay in this community a foundation that these young children could get an education that will lead them to their Savior, Jesus Christ. At the moment, there's just one school in the whole area that we are in. And in wintertime, the kids can't go to the school because the elephants come. During the dry season, there's elephants everywhere. So the kids can't go to school. The older ones manage to make their way out there, although it's dangerous, but the younger kids, they just don't go to school. And because of our personal experience with elephants in our family, the death that we had in our family, we have a burden for that. And it's, it's sad for us to see that kids will have a lack of education because of elephants. And so we've put up one roof. That's the first structure that will form the lower basic school, which is the first four grades, which is in the village. What we still need for that school is three more classrooms, plus an office building, and then four houses for teachers. Well, the orphanage we started in 2007, it was our idea that me and Hein got together. So we raised some money and we built the orphanage. We can take in 12 children, but for now we've got eight orphans. Boys and girls will get a mother that will be living in the house and she'll be the one to look after them, to raise them. And we also want to start the orphanage to bring some education. We'll be close to the school that we will be building. The orphans outside there that are staying with the relatives or friends, they don't get the chance to be going to school or learn to be self-supportive because usually when they stay with the relatives or friends, they just use them as workers. So if we can start the orphanage, they can grow up in the right way by learning things about the Lord and get proper education and learn to be self-supportive. Obviously, there are many well-educated women in the country of Zambia. However, in the rural areas, women face tremendous challenges in getting the education necessary. In June of 2010, Melissa started the Nanyanga Women's Club. The purpose of this club was to give some of the women in this local region some skills that would improve their standard of living. It's part of the vision that Hein and Melissa have of permeating this region with a higher educational standard than is currently here. Some of them came to me and they said if I could do something for them in the village. So I decided I'll start by teaching them how to do tailoring. So we started off by just knitting and doing some needlework. And eventually we got donated two sewing machines. So now I'm starting to teach them how to make quilts. And then I started with Bible classes with them. I'm telling them Bible stories and Bible lessons. And I just recently started teaching them English. In the beginning they came there and they couldn't speak English, but some of them can pick up English words now. They've learned a lot of things. There were a lot of them that came there, they couldn't even work on the sewing machine, they couldn't even do any knitting. 
and we've showed them and within a few months they've learned something new which they never could have done and every day they are learning something new. In our group we have got 19 people. Before we start our program we pray and we also have a Bible leading. People they gave us two sewing machines from America. So these days we are not doing by hand, we are doing by the machine. Well the products that they make we try to sell some in the village and half of the money goes to the ladies and the other bit goes towards our group so we can buy more things and then if there's a little bit left we put some aside for the orphanage to raise money for the orphanage. We also do the tiding of the Lord first of all. At the moment uh, close to where we built the orphan home we've got one, one roof set up. This building, once finished, we intend to use as an old age feeding center. There's quite a few old people in the village and unfortunately in this specific culture the old people aren't always looked after as well as they could be. Um, we've seen many old ladies still having to farm their own corn while they can barely walk. Old ladies having to cut their own firewood while they are hardly able to carry it and so we were really touched with that need and we intend to have that community centre not only as a training centre for the ladies for the sewing classes but to have a warm cooked meal ready for the old people once a day just to help with the basic nutrition and at the same time we intend to bring one of our Bible workers in the area while they're eating he can reach out to them. In remote areas of the country like this good medical treatment is very hard to come by. Along the river there's a variety of threats. There's the danger of crocodile and hippo attacks. Malaria and bilharzia are prevalent. Even the simplest medical situation can develop into emergency without good medical treatment. The local people find it difficult to get this good treatment. But Hein and Melissa have developed a way to bring the treatment to the individuals, the families, the communities living along the Zambezi River. Because of a lack of education in this area for so long, it's sometimes very difficult to reach out to people on an intellectual level. What really works well, and the spirit of prophecy is very clear on that as well, is that um, to use the example that Jesus did, and he met the physical needs of the people that listened to him. We had a lot of ladies that has been going into labor, which we took to the hospital. We actually had one baby that was born on our vehicle. and. Um, the most exciting thing that we are having for the future is the medical boat. The closest hospital is Shirundu, which is about two hours drive from here. It was a dream of my brother to have a medical boat and um, recently we managed to get the funding for this boat. We're just now waiting for uh, the official approval from the government so we can run the boat as a medical service provider. And the function of that boat will be to run up and down the Zambezi. We've got a stretch of about 25 miles things that we will be able to help the people with are things like bellagia and intestinal parasites. Then malaria is a very big problem here, especially in the kids. AIDS is also a big problem. And then there's things like skin infections and chest infections. Um, we've come across quite a few people with TB in the area and they just do not get to the hospital. So those are the things that we uh, need to tackle with the medical boat. The boat's name is Baguesu. Uh, the person that helped to fund the boat, he's a gentleman that lost his own brother uh, uh, maybe two years ago. And um, after hearing our story, 
he came to me and said he'll give the funding uh, and he thinks it might be a good idea if we run this boat as a working memorial to both of our brothers. And he said, why don't we name it brothers in the local language? And so I found out what the Tonga word for brothers is and it turned out to be Bagwesu. But in the Tonga language, the words aren't as absolute as they are in the English language. It means brothers and sisters, it means members of the same community, and it means good friends. And so the name for Bagwesu I think is quite fitting and we are praying that that will have the, the same effect to be friends to the people around us. When we first got here, um, it was difficult to find a way to support ourselves. We came here with very little and we were really trusting on the Lord to supply our, our, our needs. We've got a beautiful piece of land with, with beautiful soil that we can use for planting stuff. And we have unlimited water, obviously, from the Zambezi River, but we do not have electricity. What we do have, even outside of our piece of property, is unlimited open grazing. And so when we got here, my brother had 20 sheep that he used to keep around the house. And so we took these 20 sheep and I put in all my effort to keep them healthy and keep them producing. Six years later, we have more than 500 sheep. The Lord has blessed this, this little enterprise. And eventually, when we reach higher numbers, it will be able to help supply towards the needs of the orphans and the community center. There's so many things that we want to do here, but we don't have the funding. And in the last year, things have been going better. We've had people supporting us to help us to build things and to get things ready. But like the orphanage, we did it in 2007 and we can't finish it because we don't have funding for that. The school and the community centre is the same thing. We've had it there for one year now. So I think that is the biggest challenge. We want to finish the work for the Lord, but we don't have enough funding to finish all the things that need to be done here. As you can see where we live, we are so isolated from not even other OCI members in the States all around the world, but just from our neighbors. So it's very easy to, to start feeling that you're alone in the world, especially with the work that we do. It comes with a special set of challenges. And I can say that since we've joined OCI, the contact that we've had with other ministries, not only in Africa, but around the world, removes that feeling of total isolation because you now meet people who have the same challenges as you. You're able to talk with them. There's experienced people that can give you advice on things that they've already encountered many years before. And so that's a massive net of support that, that we feel we, we can't go without. I don't think you have to be qualified or cut out to be a missionary. I think all of us can be missionaries, even in your local town, maybe if you're working, everywhere everybody needs to be a missionary. Tell the Lord that you're willing to do His work and He will lead you and you'll see how your life will change. All over the world, remote communities struggle with basic survival needs. Jesus said, Whatsoever you have done for the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. On the banks of the Zambezi River, Makuyu Outreach is endeavoring to fulfill the command of Jesus Christ. As they educate, heal, feed, and serve the people in this region, they are winning souls to Jesus Christ. Wherever you are in the world, you can have a part in this tremendous ministry. Medical volunteers are needed on a short or long-term basis. I solicit your prayers for Hein and Melissa and your generous support for Makuyu Outreach. 
To learn more about the worldwide work of OCI, please visit us at outpostcenters.org. To contact us, email info at outpostcenters.org or call us at 423-236-5600. For OCR Reports, this is Stephen Grabener.